So this podcast is generally recorded in a house with animals. At the moment, there do not appear. Yeah, no, wait. Sergey the cat is asleep on the windowsill like he likes to do. We've got a heated cat bed for him. But there are also dogs and cats at nighttime, so the chickens are asleep. But there may be interruptions, so just warning you now. Roll with it. The other thing to warn you about now is that we swear a lot. And while we do not normally specifically intend to talk about explicit things, we do swear a lot. And so I have to mark it explicit on iTunes because they like have this switch that says one or the other. We're generally PG, PG-13. So, welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 26. And I want to talk about something that happened today, and that was my day got completely derailed. I want to call a mulligan on the whole day. Because one of the dogs got out and assaulted one of the chickens. The chicken appears to be fine, but it's been very stressful because the chickens went off and hid, and then I had to deal with the dog, and the dog got out, and I got absolutely nothing done today. This was a scenario that ended with Kevin carrying a uh, 70-pound passive-resisting hound. She's really good at passive resistance, uh, yeah. About, what, maybe a block? Uh, A little more than that. Yes. But... The idea here is that sometimes things happen outside of your control, and it's okay to just write the day off at that point. I had to suffer through, and I really mean suffer through, because it, it, you know, when you're under sort of worry and duress, it's really hard to focus on work. I had to suffer through a couple hours of work because it was my day on call, and fortunately, by the time I got to the one meeting that was... Uh, not necessary but required the chickens had been found and everybody was back where they belong and I was starting to, to wind back down but in terms of getting the things done I needed to get done today completely derailed and I don't feel bad and I don't feel guilty because that happens it does. Life, life, life occurs life occurs and when there is something completely unavoidable like that It's stressful, it's hard, but you can't beat yourself up. You can't sit in a funk and go, oh, why did this happen to me? Because if you do, you're not going to get anything done but sitting in a funk. Or worse, this happened to me because I am a terrible person. That is possibly worse, yes. Possibly. No, that's way worse. Way worse? Yes. Okay. If you say so. I do. I I never hit quite that level of, of whatever, but that may be that I don't have quite the same level of Catholic guilt that you do. Yes, well. Well, anyway. And if somebody tries to to blame you, uh, or not blame you, but if something random happens and they're telling you it's because you're a terrible person, or they're telling you this is divine punishment because you're a terrible person, fuck that guy. I told you we swear, right? Fuck that person. Get them out of your life. They do not, you do not belong there. You don't need them. And... And things will be easier if you do not have people telling you that the universe is punishing you for being, you know, who you are. You. Unless you happen to be a terrible person, but our measure for being a terrible person is like, do you eat puppies? You know, are you out there uh, uh, recreationally uh, driving down uh, joggers? Right. Yeah. uh, If you're just a normal person who listens to Productivity Alchemy and hangs out and tries to do the best they can, and then, you know. That's really a fair assumption but if if you do are a habitual dog kicker if you are 
someone who takes great joy in drinking great great quantities of alcohol and then driving while impaired laughing maniacally you're a terrible person and we you know fix that fix that fix yes. that that's that's the best i got yeah so wombat test subject yes how was your week did you try tick tick like i asked i downloaded it that's a start yes i tried to remember the groceries or whatever it is um that our groceries our groceries yes yes i tried it and how was it i think it works better when both of us are in the the account and sharing with each other it's it's a thing where you poke a thing and it, it, it's a list it's a list yeah it's a list all right it's a list um, for groceries yes uh does it does it have any any features specific to groceries does it say yes it'll auto populate it'll be like here are common groceries okay like the, the you know like if you start typing you know it'll be like do you mean bread do you mean toilet paper do you mean whatever okay that's so, a start yes yeah it, yes um, so it is purpose it is a purpose-built list it's not just a generic list with the grocery name slapped on top of it yes okay uh so there's that uh, that's mm -hmm. all i know about it okay. um uh, th this past week it went uh, went quickly it's it's all a blur I don't did I do anything you let me think what did you do uh, you made word count a lot yes I wrote a lot of words mm -hmm. you I, went, I drew a lot of hamsters right you you went and hunted but didn't catch anything I, on one day I, that's called I sat in a deer blind in 19 degree weather that's fair hours yeah um there uh, i'm trying to remember we we went to a social event on yes, sunday we, we went and hung out with friends we, we went and saw star wars we're we did go out and see that we're not going to spoil nope 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 you, uh, I, think, I loved it i think people get at least another week spoiler free i hope so because the big day for a lot of people is going to be like christmas and the day after christmas boxing day because a lot of us have those days off work well, and, and weekends, non-opening weekend is important for a Very lot of people true. who Very can't true. get the you know, time off. Yeah, whereas I found out, like, I could pre-order, and so I went ahead and ordered matinee tickets for me and you and the kids. That was bad grammar for you and the kids and me. No, that's not... No? You and you me fine. and the kids? Yeah, it, it's fine. Okay. Everyone, everyone knows what you mean. Okay. The communication has been communicated. Okay. And if they expect you to talk like an Oxford Don, this is clearly their first episode of Productivity Alchemy. This is very true. But I, I try really hard to get the I-me thing correct in sentences and the ordering because it was hammered into me in grade school. See, it wasn't the ordering that got me. It was the, uh, it was the don't say I when you mean me and don't say me when you mean I. And the simple rule for that I found was to fill in the sentence. Yeah, take out the other person. Take out the other person and see what fits, and that's the one you use. Right. So yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyway. So you get a uh, week, another week, as far as we're concerned, spoiler free, and then I think the gloves come off on the entire internet because the internet is being really good right now. It's trying really hard. Very hard. Uh, yes. Uh. So. I. I feel like I had a full week in which things were accomplished. I, I got a bunch of hamsters drawn. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote some words, but I also just needed some, like, downtime. So oh, yeah. I, I've been playing Stellaris in the evenings. You have. and uh, Which is a less brain power 
required game than or, or less twitch required. less twitch required yes and uh yeah that's that's, uh, that's all i got that's fine um, this is this is often winter is a hard time for for productivity because a yeah, lot of just, if i could sleep through about january 3rd i'd be great uh yeah you're not the only one because we're approaching at least in the northern hemisphere if you happen to be a listener in the southern hemisphere this is sort of the opposite of what's happening right now and you should apply this stuff come july and that is that now we're we're reaching the winter solstice the winter equinox i believe like the day this is releasing is going to be the 21st, which is literally the longest night of the year. Yes. And that's that's hard. That's hard on a lot of people, especially if it's gray, if it's dark, the it's longer dark hours, it's been wet. I have done no gardening mm -hmm. whatsoever for a month right. because it's cold and wet. So, you know, I'm... I'm... You're edging up on, on seasonal affective disorder. Yes, and I should be, you know, listening to... Or not listening to... Blah, blah, blah. I should have... <laughs> lights up so that I, I you know we could put light. we could put the the one light in the bedroom and have it turn on and off for set amounts of time if you wanted but we could yes, yes. uh i go out a lot to to the coffee shop to work you so do. Uh, it's i have not been doing that so much but yeah but you're not the only person who's affected this way there are people yeah. who who get um sad significantly worse Oh, than oh, either of us do. Zillions worse, yeah. yeah. We, we have friends who live and die by their giant lights. Um, Peggy, who I interviewed back towards the beginning of this podcast, has said in the past that she gets it really bad, and she has the lights, and she tries to work, but there comes a point in the year where all she wants to do is curl up in her... She has a dragon persona in her her pile of pillows and nest and doubloons and just sleep it sleep it off get through. And in fairness, mm -hmm. I am kind of in a pile of pillows with my laptop. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. But if you are a person who this affects really badly, again, you're not a terrible person. This is not a sign of weakness. This is not a sign of weakness. This is a physiological thing that you can address with lights you can address with additional sleeping you can tough it out but it sucks to tough it out let yeah, me just tell you right now this is one you know? where it, this is not a moral failing this is a yeah. a you know vitamin d and weird chemicals in your skin aren't getting enough going Are, on yeah and so don't again if you're less productive right now don't beat yourself up about it you're not the only one you're not alone and this is just kind of like it's a seasonal problem seasonal affective disorder yeah now, like I said, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, that's South America, Australia, Africa, well, Antarctica, Africa. large chunks of Africa, Antarctica, don't take any of this advice. Don't worry about it right now. It is almost... Re-listen to this episode in six months. Yeah, exactly. Right around right around July 20th, I think, is, is when the... Uh, hold on. Uh, January, February, March, April, May. I, I'm sure. Right. You can figure it out. Right around the summer solstice. <laughs> yeah. so. so there's that. Uh, yes, so it is the, um, but on the bright side, with no pun intended, as tomorrow is literally the longest day of the year, when you are listening Longest to this, night of the year. Longest night of the year. Um, we are closer to spring than we were... A day ago. At, yes, or <laughs> months ago. The, months ago, it, yes. All, all is, it, we are, we are headed forward. Uh, there's a poem about, uh, you know, hearing a bird sing, we're closer to spring than we were in September. 
Indeed. In the dark of December, the yes. closer to spring than we are. Yeah, anyway, yeah, anyway, so point is, we never have to live through this particular December again. Yes. This one this one has been, and this year, in fact. This year has been a trial for a lot of people. Yes, this year, frankly, has been a shit stain on the ass of America. And, and we'll, we'll talk more about year closings next week when we're closing out the year. Yes, but I just want to say, you're still here. You've held on this long. That's right. Hot damn. Good on you. It's okay if you want to curl into a ball for a while. You know, life is mm-hmm. working against you right now. It's working against a lot of us. It's right working now. against a lot of us. Uh, you are not alone. <laughs> very true. Now, on the flip side, it only takes a little effort to make a little headway, and that little headway can build up into tremendous things. Well, at the very least, it makes you think, thank God I got something done. Indeed. Um, I was looking at the number of hidden alchemist, not hidden alchemist, haha, hidden almanac episodes that we had done when I was recording today's episode Mm -hmm. and looked at the number and it said it's somewhere around 647 episodes. We did not plan when we started that little podcast on 647 episodes and storylines. We didn't plan when we started KUEC on, what are we, 260 some? 260, exactly. Yeah. But what we did was we did a little bit every week. Yeah. Now, I'm a little more militant about Hidden Almanac than I am about KUEC because I think we made a contract with the listeners with Hidden Almanac on the three times a week. And KUEC, if we're... That's Kevin and Ursula Cheap, for those of you who don't listen to that podcast. The, we have reached a point where there are physiological difficulties in being able to record that one every single week, although we try. Yes, we, we do our best, but um, <laughs> it's hard on our digestion. It really is. I mean, that's a major commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, am, I am iffy about the contract with the listeners. And okay. This is this is I come at it from a writer perspective, and yeah. this ties back to uh, what Neil Gaiman summed up as: George R. R. Martin is not your bitch. Yes. And I worry when we say, if we say it is our job to be in the studio three days a week for the listeners, and we have promised to do it, but the fact of someone listening to it means that we owe them more. Is that that? It's not entirely untrue, but it leads into uh, the fact that, like, Patrick Rothfuss can't post on Twitter without someone screaming, why are you on Twitter and not working on the next book? That's... I don't mean you, listeners. You are nice, non-entitled people, but you know the people I'm talking (laughs) about. Oh, yeah. The... I think there are some differing concepts there. One is that... And... I think of the contract as the uh, with the listener, the bit where I actually said publicly, this is the schedule we're adhering to. And so I feel that it's important to inform people when we're not going to meet that schedule. Yes, that's right? fair enough. Right. Whereas KUEC is when our digestion allows us to. Allows us to, yes. This one I've said I publish on Thursdays. Yes. And so I feel that I have an obligation to have it out Thursdays at, I believe I usually do it at 5 p.m. UTC. Um, or to have GMT, a thing yeah. saying there's not a show this week because we are 
traveling traveling on fire. Yes, but fire. I, I but I communicate that out. That is significantly different from someone demanding that George R. R. Martin get back in the George R. R. Martin get back to writing yes. or Patrick Rothfuss get back to writing or our guest later Matt Wallace get back to writing yes. and we'll talk to Matt in a minute I'm so excited about this interview but we'll get there in a, in a few and in fact if th this is this is uh, tangential I guess I don't know mm -hmm. but I mean God forbid we go on a tangent on this podcast <laughs> uh when I started in web comics, yes. remember web comics? Oh yeah. Uh, I uh, I did Digger, as mm -hmm. most of you probably know, but in case you don't, hi, I'm the person who did, did Digger. Um, I updated religiously. You did. And the people who update religiously, almost without exception, were the people who succeeded. Uh, yes. Howard Taylor. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, Randall Maholland. Yep. Uh, Jenny Breeden. Uh, Jenny Breeden. Um, the people who who and the thing is that it is entirely possible to have a day when you have to pull a mulligan, and there are plenty mm -hmm. of, of oh yeah absolutely of uh, days where I had things that you know was a drawing of me surrounded by tissue saying I am sick as a dog and cannot. Um, yes. But I had one, a reviewer once said of me that you got the impression if the zombie apocalypse happened, Digger would still update. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if the zombie apocalypse happened, Howard Taylor's Schlock Mercenary would continue to update. At least for a month. Yes. Uh, it's There are certain fields, and I would say podcasting is certainly one of the oh, yeah. like webcomics where the you have to stay in people's brains. You and have to keep a regular cadence. Yeah, you, you have to be part of their their the thing that they look forward to. So uh, people have to remember you exist. Like, um, there are lots of things that just never update. It was like, you know, updated sporadically. Well, the ones that update sporadically very rarely went yeah. anywhere. It And some of them were beautiful and, and brilliant, and I really was interested in them, but... It's uh, keeping in people's brains is hard. There are lots of things yeah. distracting all of us, and so it you, you can eat a whale one bite at a time, and you can have a day when you can't eat the whale yeah, because you're, you're sick of whales. You know, because you're sick of whales, or because your fork exploded. Yes, today was a fork exploding day. Today was a fork exploding day. But the. You have to keep eating the whale most days, or else it. Otherwise, you've got a lot of my metaphors going to hell. Right I know, quickly. I know. You've got a lot of stinky, stinky, rotting whale. That poor whale. Yeah, I like the elephant one better. the The elephant version of that. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Yes, but I like elephants. I like whales too, but yeah, but some whales are dicks. This is true, but I have a. I actually have. A video that kind of illustrates eating a whale. Not a whale. An not elephant? a whale. That's even worse. No, it's not a person. It's the footage of the lions in Savuti. Oh yes. Okay, that's a different thing. That's not right. how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. That's how do you bring down an elephant? You get all your friends. Or, but it takes everybody's putting in some effort. It's not one person going out and stabbing it. Explain it's a, the lions of Savuti. It's a. It's much more of a teamwork thing. So there was a huge drought in this section of Africa. Botswana, right? Botswana, yes. We yeah. went to Savuti. We did. And what happened was there was only sort of one water hole, and so all the animals came in. And by all the animals, we mean 
all of them. So there was essentially a super pride of lions, a pride made up of all the other prides in the region. That's a lot of lions. Yeah, there were, there were 30, mm -hmm. 40 lions at this watering hole. So one of the older females figured out, I'm not sure how, no one is really sure how, but she figured out if she got all of the, the females together, they could jump and take down an elephant as a group. And they started on, you know, a, a juvenile elephant, which... The thing is, elephants aren't afraid of lions. No! They have no reason to be, because five or six lions can't do anything to an elephant. I mean, maybe they could eat a baby elephant, in which case all the other elephants stomp them to death. Right. So the all the elephants are at the watering hole going, yeah, we're elephants. Do something about it. And she did and brought all of her friends. And so there's this incredible footage. It, it's, it's, it can be hard to watch if you're a nature lover, but yes. uh, if you well, are, we are nature lovers, but, but we understand red and tooth and claw. Nature is brutal. <laughs> And unforgiving at times. And this was this is really extraordinary. The it, the uh, reason they were able to film it was because they got uh, really good night cameras to work. Exactly, it was a technological improvement. Yeah, and what they saw was it was about twenty lions. It was not a small amount of lions. It was it, the elephant was just suddenly wearing lions. Yes, like just solid lions on top of an elephant and the elephant was astonished yes uh, various and the elephant's like okay the other elephants are leaving they're like we do not want to be a part of this this is the you yeah. it, it, speaking of violating the contract though you have violated the laws of nature because elephants knew that lions were not a threat to elephants and the lions knew it too and then one day one lion decided she had not agreed to that exactly they do eventually bring down that elephant they there's a great segment narrated by um, David Attenborough that is on planet Earth, I think it was, that I often will use as a look. This is what happens when everybody puts in some effort, sort of a, a team thing. I got... It got this was certainly, maybe a little grotesque for your team building. It was, but it, it certainly hammered in the point and it made it memorable. I am not known for my political correctness at work in many cases. No, this isn't political correctness. And first of all, using political correctness is assholery. All right, so you're right. You're right. This is this is uh, this was not tactful. Tactful. Tactful is good. I did see one of my coworkers who worked with us at the time just staring at it with this grin on his <laughs> face like this was the most amazing thing he had seen in his life. Well, and the thing is, we went to Savuti in Botswana yes. specifically because one of the artists with us does a comic, or was working on a comic that was set among the lions of Savuti because this is such an extraordinary behavior. No one has ever seen this before. Yes. And uh, and in fact, we saw lions that are the descendants of the ones who hunted elephants. And she's all starstruck. Like, yes. Are these the... Oh my goodness, these are the... Look, honey, these are the... Yes, yes dear, I, I heard. I heard. <laughs> it was actually pretty funny. Uh, well, as far as lions go, I mean, lions are pretty interchangeable, but these were celebrities. It's, exactly. Uh, for the naturalists in the audience, um, they... the. Drought did break, but before it did, there is a sad sort of coda to this story, <laughs> or perhaps an ironic one, which is the last footage that anyone sees of the lioness who started it all. Yeah. 
is her leaping onto the back of a bull elephant and expecting all the other lions to follow. And all the other lions suddenly remember urgent business somewhere else. Somewhere else, else, yeah. Because it's a bull elephant. And the males are really quite a lot larger than the females. Significantly. And so the last you ever see of this lioness is an elephant just walking into the dark with a lioness clinging to its back because she was up on his back. And the elephant does not even know she's there. Or if he does... He's like... Oh, this is funny. Yeah. We're it, gonna go have a talk out here behind the trees. Yes, so it uh, yeah. uh yeah, but the 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 drought broke, the lions lived because they had learned to do this and there's still quite a large elephant population in Sabuti. We saw We did we did see many, well. but you did ask the the guides and the guides were like, Yeah, they do hunt elephants every so often if it gets bad enough and Yeah, they still know how. Right. And that's this is such an extraordinary behavior. I'm sorry, my naturalist here is geeking out, and I realize this is grim for elephant lovers, but this is such an amazing change in behavior. And I want you to think about that for a minute, because now I'm realizing as we're talking about it that the lesson here isn't just that if you get a group of people focused and aimed in the right direction, you can accomplish great things, but that by occasionally looking at what you're doing, and changing how you do it or what you do, going back and doing that review every month, every week, every year, whatever, asking yourself those questions, what can I start doing? What do I need to continue doing? What do I need to stop doing? Can make a big impact on your day-to-day because you might pick up a new skill that you will forget about for like a year or two and then suddenly you're like, oh, I need to do X. I know how to do X and it's right there in front of you because you broke out of that this is the only thing I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to do it. Certainly with art, I teach myself yes. new skills constantly and then immediately forget them and then I have to relearn parts of them. But I'm like, oh yeah, I did this once. All right. It's not as impressive as eating an elephant. No, the other thing about uh, eating an elephant or a whale, as you said, that I want to touch on is that one of the things we have to do in order to eat that elephant or whale, as the case may be, is to show up every day and take that bite. We have to go out there and dig that ditch. I I, I will add a... Oh, wait, that was a segue. <laughs> That's yes. a segue, yes. You segue. have to. You show up to work, you have your bite of elephant, you put your... You, you dig the ditch that you need to do because you got to show up and do your job every day. And that brings me to our interview this week, one of the co-hosts of the Ditch Diggers podcast, who we love. Yes. Oh, we had Murr Lafferty on a couple months ago now. And so her co-host, Matt Wallace, is our guest this week. I am so excited to give you this interview. It was a lot of fun to talk to Matt. And we'll talk to you after you hear that. Howdy, folks. I am here with my friend Matt Wallace. Matt fucking Wallace. We're allowed to swear, so that's a <laughs> bonus. Um, who is an author who is a lot of fun to hang out with and who I'm really excited 
to be doing this interview with. So, Matt, can you tell the nice listeners about yourself, introduce yourself, maybe what you do? Uh, you know, as, as we talk about on the Ditch Diggers podcast that I do with Merle Lafferty, we all wear many hats, and I'm, I'm no exception. <laughs> um, I write a uh, what I think is a pretty cool series of um, urban fantasy novellas called Sin Du Jour. They're like uh, foodie, dark comedy. There they go now. Dogs. Dogs. We have them. Yeah. Yeah, we watch the listeners. Dogs make every podcast better. I firmly believe that. Yeah. I feel like leave the barks in. People want to hear the dogs. They 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 usually do. I'm gonna have to close the one door though, because huh, otherwise it'll be really loud. Let's see if I get. Oh wait, they're hounds. So <laughs> I never would have known. Yeah. <laughs> that is a very distinctive bark. Oh yeah. Or howl, as it were. Um. No, that's that's the bark. That's that's Lacey. She's the one that barks. When Ernie bays, there is uh, that is just madness. Bane, that is what the word is. Yes. yes. No, I can only imagine. But, yeah. Uh, I do. I do love hounds, despite that. It's oh like, no, I, these are these are some of the best dogs we've ever owned. That's really cool, man. So, um, anyway, where were you? Um, you were talking about Sindajor, which I absolutely adore. So keep going. <laughs> yeah. No. I so I write I write the series of uh, novellas, aka short books about. Yes. Uh, this supernatural catering company in Long Island City. Um, we're up to the sixth one right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Oddly enough, Bloody Bay that just came out. It's the penultimate book of the series. The final one, the seventh one, is coming out next year, Taste of Wrath. Uh, it's really unbelievable that I've actually gotten to write all of these, let alone see them come out. But very excited about that. Um, so I do that. I also do the Ditch Diggers podcast, as I said, with Mer Lafferty, where we try to educate uh, freelancer writers on the business of writing. Oh, because, yeah. yeah, while there is a wealth of craft uh, advice out there, there's very little business education for writers. Oh, something yeah. we can do a lot more of. Um, I also do a YouTube channel called Angry Writer, which I started a few months ago, where I do a daily vlog, and I do how-to videos about writing, and I do unboxings, and all kinds of random stuff. And then I also have another YouTube channel called <laughs> Matt Wallace, which is a wrestling-focused channel. I used to be a pro wrestler for many years, so yeah. I do wrestling content on that. And those are my main focuses right now. <laughs> So I have, yeah, no, no, go ahead, go ahead, finish. No, no, I, I was just gonna say I have many other things, but we'll yeah. just we'll cut it off there. That's that's the main stuff. So you have a lot going on. You have to, man. When you're when you're a freelance, as you know, Kevin, when yeah, you're a freelance, yeah. yeah, creator, you gotta you gotta have as many revenue streams as possible, just on the business side, and then on the creative side, you just you end up with many projects as you have many ideas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you keep all that organized? How do you keep yourself organized and on track with all of that? Poorly. Um, no, my <laughs> a lot of it comes down to uh, to my wife, honestly, Nikki, um, who is a she's she comes from that straight world of uh, day jobs and ah. working nine to five and all that stuff. And being with her has really kind of given me a structure that I so desperately need. I always tell her I'm like a five year old. I don't like structure, but I crave it. <laughs> um, but no, because I before I met her, I was all over the place. I would stay up all night, and then you know my days were a whole like acid trip show. But she she put me on a schedule, so now I I structure my days as if I have a regular going to the office nine to five job, and I block out time for each of the things that I have to do so that I can be done by the end of the day when she comes home, and we can live our lives together. And that's kind of that's kind of what gives me structure and motivation to keep everything straight. Right on, right on. 
Um, so as part of that now, what habits or systems are important to you in maintaining that other than the keep Nikki happy, which I understand <laughs> is probably going to be the most important out of all of that. <laughs> no, I, um, I'll tell you, I'm very, uh, analog. I, you know, I know like Mer, who I do the podcast with, she loves her spreadsheets and her apps and it all sounds very cool. And I'm sure it would be very useful, but I just, I tend to be a Luddite. So I use a lot of post-it notes and legal pads to keep everything straight. I literally have pages in my legal pad for kind of all of my projects and scheduling notes. And then anything outside of that, I have a page for that too. Like what phone calls do I have today? Who do I need to email to catch up with? And I really just do everything very old school, very analog, very lines on a paper with a pen. There's, there is nothing wrong with that. It says, I mean, you know, here, I've got my, my paper planner right here that I'm, I'm getting ready all set up for 20, 2018 now. Oh yeah. So yeah. Um, but uh, but nothing formal. You're not doing anything formal with it. No, not really. Um, I, I tend to run a very loose operation. Like <laughs> it's just one thing flows into the next, and I just kind of go with it. You know. Right on. I try to get. I've tried. I'm trying to get up earlier in the morning lately. I'll say that. That's that's. <laughs> Since I added the YouTube thing on top of it, I literally I do a vlog every single weekday now. Right. So. Right. I find I have to get that knocked out first thing, or I or like I'll put it off until the afternoon. Then that'll be my whole afternoon, and I won't even get to anything else. So I learned that really early in the process. Right. So I'm trying to add a couple hours to my day to make sure I have enough time to do everything. Well, at least it makes talking to people like me and Murr on the East Coast that much easier. So it does. Yeah. No, and, and recording with her helped me too because I'm used to it at this point. Because I yeah. yeah, I'll get up. I tend to get up very early to do those episodes with her because she has a lot more um, just stuff in her life. She has like, you know, a kid that she has to do kid right, things right. for. So I tend to work around her schedule, which since she's on the East Coast and I'm on the West Coast, involves getting up at ass o'clock to make sure our podcast episodes <laughs> get recorded. So in all of that, what is what do you think the biggest help in all of that or the best advice you've been given has been? I mean, you um, give out a lot of good advice because I've listened to <laughs> to your episodes of I Should Be Writing and uh, some of the episodes of Ditch Diggers. So where did that come from, I guess? Uh, I mean, it's it's tough. I think they're, they tend to be two different things. I find it very easy to dispense business advice. I, I've never been – I don't actually like giving out writing and craft kind of advice, honestly. <laughs> I, like, I'll do it if it's something I feel I know a lot about. Like, I just did a video about writing action scenes. I'm pretty good at that. Right. So I'm okay at giving out that advice. But, like, telling other people how to do their thing when I don't feel like it's a thing I have all the way down. Um, if I had to break it down to one thing, and this may sound very tried and cliche, but it really helps me, and it's something I try to impart to my wife a lot because she's a huge problem with this, is <laughs> take take one thing at a time. Um, because she, like I said, Nikki has a huge problem with this, and I do too. It's we tend to look, we tend to take the overview, and we tend to look at everything we have to do in a day or in a week or in a year, and just look at it all at the same time, and it becomes massively overwhelming, and you end up not getting a tenth as much accomplished when you do that. Whereas if you just take the one task ahead of you and just focus on getting that done, you'll find you have a lot more room for the rest of the stuff. And that was that was a big one for me to take in. She still has problems with it. <laughs> but she has a much more complicated job than I do, so that's that's tough. Yeah, I'm I'm in IT and it's really hard not to to look at that big list of all the tickets right. that are due and just be like, Oh my god, there's so much to get done instead of let's just, you know, start at the top and work your way through. Which is the way to do it, though. It really is, man. It seems like such a simple thing, but it's such a hard thing to, to really actually concentrate on and get yourself to do because it's always in the back of your mind. The list is always in the back of your mind. 
And just keeping it compartmentalized, I think that's that's the most difficult thing to do, and the most rewarding thing if you can manage it. And oh that yeah, really, yeah, yeah. That helps your workflow immensely. So that would be the one thing I would feel confident, like <laughs> advising people to do, like one thing at a time, and just do anything you can to avoid looking at what's lurking behind. <laughs> Lurking behind there. You don't want to see the horde, man. You want to see one enemy in front of you. Single combat. Focus right. on yes. single combat. Yeah. Don't see the encroaching horde. Just that first <laughs> enemy. One at a, take them one at a time. If you can get them in a funnel, you know. Yeah, no, like, you, you got to get them in the in that in that uh, that killing field where you can just hit them one at a time and, and take them down that way. Exactly. It's like three hundred with like less abs. You know. It's yeah, just exactly. Get, get them. Yeah. It's all about your chosen field of battle. So yeah, that's definitely that's my watchword for. For productivity and workflow. <laughs> right. One second. I got. I got to fix something. It's driving me crazy. No, no, no. Yeah. Alexa, turn off office lamp. Oh shit. Try that again. Let's un un turn on the microphone. Alexa, turn off office lamp. Okay. Alexa, turn on the light. Okay. That's bad. I thought you were going blacklight there for a second. I was like, all right, <laughs> do it, man. I'm, I'm ready. Bring it well, on. No, it's, it's how that one light is positioned. It looked like I had a halo. It was. It did look like you had a halo. I yeah. thought it was appropriate, though. I was going to go with it. You know? So, all right, back on track. Back on track. Um, back on one thing at a time. Yeah, exactly. So how about rewards? Do you reward yourself? And if so, how do you do that? Or I'm big on rewards, man. Yeah, that that works really well for me. Bribing myself works really well. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the healthiest thing in the world, but I definitely I'm definitely in big in with. It's not even rewards. It's withholding. <laughs> That's why I say it's ah, not the okay. Thing. I'm big on withholding things for myself until I've earned them. It's like you know I'll get this done and then I can go get a soda because soda is like my coffee. I have a huge soda problem. Right. And I've been I've been working on cutting it down this year so we don't keep it in the house anymore. So like my big reward these days is I'll like go to Carl's Jr. drive through and get like a huge the, Dr Pepper. The big, the big the ones, big one, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really <laughs> people don't get that because like somebody will tell because if the Carl's Jr. is a drive, somebody will tell me, well, just go to McDonald's and then you find yourself in this like junky place. Like you don't understand the cups aren't big enough at McDonald's. That's <laughs> not gonna it's gonna last me like thirty seconds and then what? Yeah, well, and it it all depends on like the mcdonald's because i don't even think ours has dr pepper oh no they don't that's another right. thing too yeah, yeah yeah i can little problem. i can go i can go diet coke if i need to but like preferences are but i'm just saying having to explain that to someone who doesn't understand a soda addict's perspective on it <laughs> to them it's just a really innocuous beverage they don't understand why you're yelling at them about the size of a fast food cup yeah and we're but yeah so yeah i know but I'm, yeah so that's the thing I'm, I'm big on withholding things for myself until i've completed <laughs> tasks <laughs> And I see it in that way too. I don't. Maybe that says something about me. I don't know that I don't see it as a reward. That I see it as a, that I see it as a punishment. Is is it and a punishment or is it just that I have to earn it? I can't feel it, good about it until I earn it. It is. It definitely is. It is that thing. I don't know. It's just the way I process the way I process things. I, I you know I've I've been through hard times, so I expect times to be hard. I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Um. What about when you miss or when you fail? What what do you do when that happens? And that's the tough one for a lot of people. No, it is. Yeah, um, tell as few people as possible about it. <laughs> um, no, I used that used to be a thing with me, man. I I like missing deadlines. I abhor it in a way I can't even express to you. That's a it's like you know, and I'm that's I'm not unique in that characteristic, but right, right. 
you know, the last few years, it's been it's been tough because I've been writing, especially writing these this novella series. It's a much tighter turnaround than writing like a novel series where you might have like up to a year between books or whatever. Yeah, like I've had like three solid years where I am always working on one of these things, and a deadline is always a couple of months away. And when you stack that with everything else that I do. I, I started to have trouble managing deadlines, which was a really new thing for me. Mm. And there was such an intense feeling of like shame that came <laughs> along with that. Like I didn't want to tell my wife, I didn't want my agent to know. Like I just wanted to keep it between me and my editor, which is so absurd, man. Right, it's such, yeah. yeah, it's not, there's nothing to be ashamed of. You just have to learn what I had to learn, honestly. And like, mm-hmm. like I worked out this with my editor. My editor like became my therapist and then it extended <laughs> to my agent. I just had to learn to communicate like my needs and what I was going through. And I found if I just told him, Hey man, like an extra month would make all the difference on this. He'd just be like, yeah, have the extra month. It's not a huge deal. But learning to ask for that was so difficult. Ursula, Ursula said the same thing. She, she, because she was a production artist for magazines and things, the, the deadline was God. And she, the first or second time, first couple times she had to go to one of her editors and say with all this other stuff going on i i need an extension and she was terrified Mm -hmm. you know until it became that no this is this is something you can negotiate and that isn't going to ruin your career by saying i need an extra three weeks or if you send me on book tour that changes the delivery schedule because i can't be writing while i'm on book tour Right, and that's perfectly reasonable and healthy, and you need that. It's just a part of you, like you said, it won't ruin your career. A part of you really does start to attach your value as a as a writer, as a creator, to your ability to like hit deadlines. And that was always one of my things. Like I was the guy who could adapt. Like whatever you need me to write, I can I can adapt my voice to it, and I will get it to you on time, if not before schedule. And like I saw that as my value. Right. So if I took those things away you really do start to worry about, well, no one will hire me then, because they're certainly not going to just hire me because I can write I can write good. You know? <laughs> That's the thing. You don't see that part of it. It's, and it's so absurd. And like rationally, intellectually, I know that now, but right. emotionally, psychologically, it was very hard to accept that for a long time. Now I'm very, I've got, I have gotten better at just kind of accepting it, being like, you know what? It's not going to happen by then. It's going to take longer than that. So it takes right. longer than that. Right. Every, everybody will, will adapt. And nobody, they're not going to kill the book. The book will still happen. <laughs> yeah, that's important right there, right? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It really is. So, yeah, that's, but that's, that's a big one, man. It really is. And it's something that I think every, every freelance creator has to go through their adjustment period of that the further you go in this game. Wow. We, so we've rocked through my six questions really, really quick. I'm um, sorry. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. The, so, I, I, we can either, you know, if there's anything you want to share with the listeners or you want to, ex- expand on that's great um if not we can move to the phase where you start telling us about your other projects and where to find it uh is there anything i want to expand on or share with uh your listeners i hope they appreciate what a charming and delightful intelligent podcast host they have (laughs) kevin because you are i really i enjoy you and ursula so much i really can't even say that thank you thank you yeah and I'm actually the I only almost feel giddy at the thought of finally getting in, to introduce you to to my wife Nikki who I've been wanting to do that for so many years. Yeah. So yeah, I just hope your listeners appreciate you, man. That's all I really want to expand on. So far, I I think they're they're really enjoying it and they're excited about it. So that's that's really all I want is I want to help people and and have them be excited about this stuff. So. No, and this is good ground to cover, man. Like, kind of what, kind of in the vein of what we do with Ditch Diggers. You know, this I want to see more of these types of shows because this stuff is really important. I don't think it gets covered nearly enough. Yeah, you know, 
Well, there's so, yeah. the the podcast about oh here's the here's the 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 one thing you can do that will make your entire life better and organized. Those drive me insane. <laughs> oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one the one answer to rule them all. Yeah, yeah. There's it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist for anything. No, it doesn't. And if if it if someone claims it does, they're trying to sell you something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, cool. Well, thank you. Um, where can people find out more about you? I mean, I'm going to link these in the show notes, but it's always good to hear it straight from the, from the, the person's mouth. No, absolutely. I hear you. My, uh, my biggest platform is Twitter has been for years. Um, at Matt FN, FN Wallace. Um, I would love it if people would check out, uh, what I'm doing on YouTube. I'm really excited about it. I'm really working hard to create cool content there. Uh, my channel, my main channel on YouTube is angry writer. Uh, please do check it out. Consider subscribing. (laughs) That's I had that. <laughs> I had that for years. I had that for years before I actually started using it. Um, if you're a wrestling fan, also Matt Effen Wallace is my other YouTube channel where I do wrestling stuff. I do. I unbox monthly wrestling subscription boxes. I'm starting to do video essays. And that's really just. I'm just doing that for fun because I'm. I've started to get back into pro wrestling lately, and I've been enjoying it again after being out of it for a very long time. So cool. yeah, cool. and check out those YouTube channels. I'd appreciate it. Uh, Matt-Wallace.com is my website and my blog, and all relevant information is there. And then also check out the uh, the Digital Bruce podcast if yep. you're if you're inclined to. And everybody who's listening needs to at least go and read Envy of Angels, which is the lead into Sindajur. And this is a series that I've just been gobbling up. Haha, <laughs> food porn. Um, <laughs> puns. Yeah, puns, yeah. Um, but as it's been coming out, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I'm really looking forward, even though it's probably going to be soul-crushingly heartbreaking at the end, I'm really looking forward to book seven. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. You've been, you've been unfailingly supportive of the series, and I really I really appreciate that as well. Thank you. No, no, no. No, no trouble at all. It's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So, thank you, sir. No, my pleasure. All right. And we're back. That was great to talk to Matt. I really need to fix the squeak in that stool at some point. I really do. Yes. You know, it's it's when you're sitting on it and when you turn on it. There you go. Yeah, I got to figure out where that. Because it, I don't know if it's annoying them, but it drives me a little crazy sometimes. Anyway, it was great to talk to Matt. Stop. Sorry. I was trying to figure out how to do it. Figure off when we're not recording, please. It was great to talk to Matt. <laughs> uh, we should be seeing Matt sometime in 2018. Yes. I'm hoping maybe to be able to corral a couple other people at that particular event. We love to hang out with Matt. We love to talk to Matt. And it was really good to share kind of his process with all y'all. And that's a, that's uh, Southern. As a friend of mine would say, anytime she would use a Southernism during her presentation and people would look at her funny, she'd look at him and go, point to herself and go, Southern. So, I want to, she's also someone I want to get on this podcast at some point. 
That much being said, you had a follow-up point before yes. we get to our code for the week. About eating whales or elephants or any large mammal. Any large task. Yes. Um, I, I kind of wish we didn't have, like, real, like, like eating a thing that people don't like. Like a giant, huge meat thing, a pile of, of meat that people are not fond of. Because then it's not like we're eating a whale because save the whales. We're not eating elephants because elephants are awesome. But, like, you know, eating a... a Mm. Giant. Maybe maybe meat isn't meat is very exclusionary because I know there are several of our listeners who are vegans and vegetarians. Is there a a, a vegetable that you find particularly unpleasant? Brussels sprouts, but yeah. they're small. They are. I love Brussels sprouts myself. Okay, but... so you have to eat a twelve-ton Brussels sprout. Yes. And. It is your job to eat this Brussels sprout. If you look at the whole thing, yes, at once. If you if you walk up and look at the scale of what you have to do, the odds are very good you will go home in despair. Actually, I can I can work with this. It's a twelve ton container of Brussels sprouts, and when you look at that container, all you see is it's full of Brussels sprouts. Right? I, Brussels... I like the idea of a giant twelve-ton Brussels sprout. Just like, like, like a like the Brussels sprout has beached, like a whale, only bad because only it's ba a Brussels sprout, and it's it's there in its See, immensity. The, the thing is, if making we tragic sprout noises, use the twelve-ton tons of Brussels sprouts, then it becomes very easy to illustrate. You just come up and you take the one small one, you eat it, and you go, and then the next day. Yeah, you... but I can eat. Brussels sprout a bite at a time. And you sort of are eating the 12 tons of Brussels sprouts a bite at a time because yes, it's one Brussels sprout. A single 12 ton Brussels sprout is funnier than a giant Tupperware container of Brussels sprouts. You you have me on that one. This is supposed to be the serious podcast. We see how well that's going this week. Look, we are not serious people. We are sincere, but we are frivolous. That is a fair assessment. Yes. So... so I If I walk out into the driveway and see the 12-ton Brussels sprout that has been brought up on a trailer truck and dumped there, I am going to go back in the house and, like, become a, a anti-sproutian. More of an anti-sproutian? Yeah, because, I mean, look at the size of that thing. I realize how huge it is. I realize I... The, the, the amount of work that's involved, like the crushing weight of the Brussels sprout is crushing me. If, if I... If okay. This is like we me standing there and the Brussels sprout is being dropped directly on me and you expect me to eat my way out of it. I think we get the point, yes. Yes. Had I known when I started Digger, it was going <laughs> to be 800 pages long and consume seven years of my life. Yes. I would not have started because that would have been horrifying. Had yes. I known I would have to write 600 and some hidden almanacs, perhaps uh, perhaps more, probably more, almost certainly more, because Kevin's going to want one tonight. When Tomorrow night. Yeah, well, when they hear when it, they're, it tonight, yeah, yes. Okay, yeah. Uh, I would have been like, or I could play Stellaris. <laughs> so sometimes... We, we say a lot about knowing what you're getting into. Sometimes the very worst thing you can do is know what you're getting into. One of the things I like about NaNoWriMo, which ended last month, a couple weeks ago, is that it 
it breaks the Brussels sprout it down. It breaks the Brussels sprout down into here's how many words you should average per day to get to your goal. Now, if you don't look at that breakdown, if you just look at that goal, which is what, 50,000 words? 60, something like that. Yeah. It's, that's a lot of words. And if you've never done it before, you're thinking that's a lot of words. When you break it down to, here's what your word count needs to be... 1,600 a day or whatever. Or Yeah, something like that. That's actually a lot easier and a lot more attainable. And frankly, what I think a lot of the authors we know average on a, on a good day. Yeah, I, there are plenty of authors who do 3,000 words a day without breaking a sweat. If I do 1,000, I'm like, today was an accomplished day. Yep. Some days I crank it out and I've written 9,000 words in a day. And, you know, and then... And then I tuck her into bed and don't and, bother and her for a couple bring days. Bring me a hot toddy and my brain is sort of a sponge full of blood. Yes. But uh, the I but, average 1,000 words a day. But the idea is still there that here's this really big thing and by breaking it down into smaller tasks into doing just a little bit at a time and moving forward constantly you're you will get there yeah if you can write a thousand words a day mm-hmm. you can write a hundred thousand word novel in a third of a year yeah in theory the other thing, theory is big here people. theory is big the, the, here. in actual practicality there's lots of other things about editing and how much how much right. you keep out of the thousand words i'm a very clean writer so i can get away with a thousand words some of those people who write five thousand words a day throw out four thousand of them right. you know everybody works in the way that works for them but nevertheless yes. uh i'm just saying don't get crushed under the 12 ton brussels sprout don't get crushed under the 12 don't look at the half mile of a ditch that you have to dig in front of you three feet deep look at the foot in front of you that and dig your three feet and come back tomorrow and dig three more feet yes i mean look up occasionally so you're not like digging into the road that would be bad yeah yeah or so you haven't just hollowed a hole in the brussels sprout so you can live inside it in a terrible stinky cavern of moist leaves anyway we're gonna put that to rest now We're going to talk about our badge code for this week. In honor of our guest, Matt Wallace, our badge code this week is Sin Du Jour, which is the title of the series he's going to wrap up, I want to say, in about two months is when the the last book comes out. I am so excited to see that last book. You probably spell that for them. Uh, Yes, it is spelled S-I-N-D-U-J-O-U-R. I'm going to do it all one word. When you look it up on Amazon, it has spaces in there. So that is our code for this week, Sin Du Jour, and that will get you the badge for this episode. I want to thank Matt for being our guest. I want to thank all of you for listening. We are coming up on the year's end, so I'll do probably a big thank you for making our first half year a exciting time, because this would be halfway right here. 26 episodes is halfway through a year of 52 episodes. Wow. Yes. Dude, high five. High five. You had a goal. You made it happen. You are eating the Brussels sprout. Anyway, thank you all for listening. You can find out more about this podcast at productivityalchemy.com. You can also claim your badge code there. You can also look at the webpage that has the six questions I ask everybody during an interview. And we use that sort of as our starting point. I'm really excited about 2018. I'm already starting to line up interviews for next year. And people, 2018 has one thing going for it. It's not 2017. Oh, God, yes. You realize we were saying that about 2017 when 2016 rolled around, and you see where we are now. Look, 
We are closer to things being better <laughs> than we have ever been since this hellscape of a year started. If you need something lighter to listen to, we also have the podcast Hidden Almanac, which is uh, short fiction three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You can find out more about it at hiddenalmanac.com. And for the grown-ups in the audience, you can listen to Kevin and Ursley Cheap, where we drink heavily, we swear, and we eat questionable foods and tell you what we think of them. You're looking at me. And a lot of other things. No, sorry, I was having a thought. All I, right. I was like, Hidden Almanac should go somewhere creepy well yes we we don't have a plot line for next year so we'll figure it out as it happens which is a lot of what we're doing we're figuring it out as it happens here but i hope you enjoyed this episode we had a lot of fun recording it and we will talk to you next week stay productive and show that brussels sprout who's boss (sighs) 